0: This week, we dredged through the Ray Bradbury adaptation of A Sound of Thunder and have to ask, why does this look like a sci-fi channel movie of the week? Does time travel actually work this way? And what's up with Ben Kingsley's hair? This is Force-Fed Sci-Fi. Everybody and welcome to another thrilling time-traveling edition of the force-fed sci-fi podcast i am one of your hosts chris Rupp, and i am joined with my co-host the silly
1: willy sean oh another nickname (laughs) dude it's gonna be like every single one
0: that one's definitely better than omnipresent or whatever omniscient or whatever you the
1: egos in check
0: well thankfully so (laughs) only took you three episodes to get that in check oh whoa 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 it's never in check Oh Lord. Anyway, egos aside, welcome again. Thanks, guys. For listening. If you're still listening. If you're still listening, if you haven't tuned out because of Sean's egotistical, megalomaniacal tendencies.
1: <laughs> just like take a uh, like note of every time the name changes. If someone does. I hope just there's tell a me. listener who is
0: Taking a list of all the nicknames you've given for yourself because there have been a plenty of those.
1: Dude, and then they just listed out, hey, Mr. Omnipresent, Overlord, Silly Willy, blah, 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 blah.
0: My goodness. That would be crazy. As I mentioned, we are discussing A Sound of Thunder today, the 2005 yeah. romp, which... uh <laughs> It's all kinds of clunkiness going on here. I think clunky is very forgiving on that. Like, that's Mm -hmm. a very generous title. That's
1: that's very mild.
0: Before we get into uh, the cast and crew and production notes, how about a quick synopsis of the film, Sean? I'm down. So here it is. In 2054, time travel is developed. Surprise, surprise. And a company is formed by the name of Time Safari, which... If you haven't figured it out from the two-word name of the company, they obviously offer these obscene, opulent, time-travel safaris to these rich men who go back in time and have fun killing dinosaurs. Because in 2054, money,
1: that's just what they use it now, vacationing back in time.
0: However, during one of these expeditions, something goes horribly wrong, and civilization is being it with time waves that affect the evolutionary chain and each attempt to try and fix it just makes it worse yeah so on paper like it sounds good because it's an adaptation of a ray bradbury short story and ray bradbury if you're unfamiliar with him is a legend in the science fiction community just in general i mean he's written some of the most seminal works um including The Martian Chronicles and Fahrenheit 451 yeah. um and the uh, Ray Bradbury Chronicles, the science fiction anthology have TV you, series. Have you read any of these? Uh I read A Sound of Thunder for preparation in today's episode. Rock on. But you didn't see you didn't read like Fahrenheit? I've read Fahrenheit 451 because it's required reading in high school. Indeed it is. And I read The Martian Chronicles on my own free time because I was obsessed with things martian about four years ago i wish i knew that chris
1: that's just (laughs) fascinating
0: it is like peeling a literary onion with me okay as you were so let's break down the cast and crew of this film so it's directed by peter hyams who before this did time cop the relic and end of days which Mm -hmm. it may not great movies that stand up in the lexicon of sci-fi but there's still there's
1: solid movies to watch i personally enjoy watching the relic all right yeah if you don't want like the critically acclaimed or like the worldwide (laughs) you're like into those niche science films all right all right you know who was originally set to direct it uh tell me rennie harlan who the hell is rennie harlan
0: well he directed die hard Two, die harder Yes, that was the actual subtitle of the film. Die Harder. <laughs> Die Harder. That's awesome. And he did the Sylvester Stallone climbing demonstration, Cliffhanger. Dude, now
1: that film is great. Oh my gosh. They parody it in uh in Ace Ventura. Two. Two. I love that it film. It was
0: great just watching John Lithgow with the British
1: accent. Yes! Oh my gosh, it's so great. And our and freaking Sylvester Stallone stumble through the dialogue.
0: Hey, I'm gonna go climb this mountain. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I don't mean to disparage Sylvester Stallone too much He actually had a stroke When he was younger That's why he talks like that He had
1: a stroke? I thought he severed Like a nerve in his face well, That's why he has The droopy
0: eye And the, the slurred speech He had a stroke He had a stroke? Oh man Now you know Now, now you're gonna feel bad Next time you make fun of him
1: No I, I won't feel bad at all <laughs>
0: You are a hateful person.
1: Well, I've been called many You should be ashamed of
0: yourself. I'll leave
1: that to you, buddy.
0: Anyway, the movie also stars Edward Burns. Yeah. In the hero role. Catherine McCormick, who was in Braveheart 10 years before this came out. And the great Ben Kingsley. Ben Kingsley, yeah, and his creepy
1: hairdo. His creepy hair? The hair of the future? You
0: know, he, he's he got two ways of doing his hair in every movie. He's either bald as a newborn. Yes. Or he's got the
1: goofiest hair you've ever seen. Dude, It's. I wonder if they give him the no choice. There is no middle ground for him. Maybe it's like Samuel L. Jackson where they're like, you pick the wig. But then Ben Kingsley just goes insane. Yeah. But- was his hair really that crazy in Iron Man Three? Yeah, because it's it's tied
0: back in a in a man bun and he's got the, the straight down beard.
1: <laughs> I loved that though; it it worked for him. Well, I wouldn't. That wouldn't be my definition of crazy. I'm talking like Chester Bennington, 2001, Hybrid Theory, spiky bleach blonde hair is crazy, man. Well, I mean, that's he, that's the man out had there like crazy. The has like thorns on his head. That's nuts. That's like poking an eye out of a children if you bend forward too fast. Mm. (laughs) Crazy. And also starring
0: David Oyelowo in one of his very early films... He was in Selma. He recently starred in Interstellar. He's been in a... I think he was in Gringo last year. His career has taken off. Thankfully, since he was storm. able to wash the stink off of this movie, much like Natalie Portman <laughs> did after The Phantom Menace. Yeah. <laughs> you know, actually, Pierce Brosnan was set to star in he the was. Edward
1: Burns character. He was, but he backed out once the director backed out. Yeah. Th- He's like, it's either him and me or neither. Before I even
0: watched this movie and read that... I instantly thought, that's a movie I want to see. I want to see the original director and the original star with the original
1: budget. Would it be James Bond-esque? Because he was still in the throes of James Bond. Well, at this point, he had actually retired from the role. In 2001? 2005,
0: when this movie came out. But
1: this film wasn't set to release until 2002, because they wanted to film it in there, 2001.
0: He would have been hot off of uh, would Die Another Day at the yeah. time. That would, he would have made some pretty... This movie he, he would this, have done well at the have, box office. It
1: would have crushed it.
0: But since I mentioned the budget, we have to talk about this because it's too interesting and weird not to bring up. Okay. So the original production company behind A Sound of Thunder Franchise Films originally budgeted this film for $80 million. And because I love inflation calculators, that's just over $100 million in 2019 money. However, we can blame Battlefield Earth for the reason why this film (laughs) stunk it up. Just Battlefield Earth? Maybe not just Battlefield Earth, but I think Battlefield Earth was the nail in the coffin that is Franchise Pictures. (laughs) Because if you look through Franchise Pictures filmography, and it is box office bomb after box office bomb. Yeah, it's all bad. They were actually under FBI investigation for, quote, (laughs) fraudulently inflating budgets to scam investors, unquote.
1: Dude, the only film that they grossed over their budget was The Whole Nine Yards. And that was with, uh, I think, Bruce Willis. Yeah, all of their films suck.
0: Yeah, a few examples are 3,000 Miles to Graceland, which is uh, Kurt Russell versus Kevin Costner in a battle of Elvis impersonators. They have uh, Get Carter.
1: Yeah, that movie's not great. No, I've always wanted to see it though for some reason because I love Stallone. So it's like, a remake. It's a
0: remake of a of a better Michael Caine movie. Let's put it that way. Okay. And then they also did Ballistics X versus Seaver, which I still have no idea what
1: that one's about. These are all terrible. Even the titles, Funky Monkey, like, so what? bad. What is this? What is this man? Well, I'm glad a, they went out of business. There's
0: a yeah, there's a reason why they went bankrupt and because of them going bankrupt and being Terrible. under FBI investigation, the remaining investors could only give this film 30 million dollars out of the 80 out of the 80 million dollars that they fraudulently budgeted for. <laughs> <laughs> These guys. I feel like every time we ha- we bring up the budget for this film, we have to put fraudulently in front of it. because Fraudulently. Budgeted. Because if this movie was made for $80 million, we would have not gotten the movie we got. No. The uh. visual effects
1: in it are oh! terrible. All right, but would we have gotten the same? Because if you look at the list and all those terrible films, you really think this film would have been better? Come on. When only one out of like the 35 actually beat its budget.
0: If we had the original director and the original star, I
1: think I think that's that's reaching, man. Yeah, maybe a little bit, but hey, I can dream. You're reaching like Michael Jordan in Space Jam. You're trying to slam it home, but it's just not working. You know what? I mean, if you don't reach for the stars, why reach at all? Wow. Aren't you just like a plethora of one-liners? Not really. I'm more (laughs)
0: exhausted than anything.
1: (laughs) This film was trash, and we can eviscerate it, as you like to say.
0: Oh, before we do that, though, I mean, since we are discussing a legend like Ray Bradbury, I feel it's important to mention the differences between his original short story and this film. Yeah. Yeah because it's totally different. The original short story is exactly what it is. it's a short story. it's only 11 pages long
1: and they made a feature film huh, they right? made an
0: they made a 90 uh, 100 minute motion picture. I have so many words for box office <laughs>
1: bomb but none just come to mind at this the moment is, This is like the Hobbit in modern times like how they took one book and made it into three but it, it's poorly executed at least the Hobbit looks kind of okay.
0: I mean, for the most part, it is similar, but the movie more expands
1: on the story, I guess. Yeah, but this doesn't even expand like all the good stuff in the short story is like completely taken out of it
0: well there's more politics in the original short story and... in 11
1: pages yeah there's more in 11 pages than this freaking feature there's film. more
0: politics and, and i guess time travel seems to be illegal in the short story whereas in the movie it's government regulated
1: yeah whatever that means. but in the
0: short story they use bribes to just kind of get the government to look under the table okay so it's like modernized <laughs> <laughs> Kind of. I
1: mean.
0: <laughs> Personally, I would rather enjoy the story if they kept with that angle. Like Dude, time travel is still illegal. They'd we just be have so to, cool. Yeah, we just have to pay off the government to look the other way.
1: Exactly. The cost would be. It would be awesome. It, ugh, it'd be like a government contractor going overseas. If you die, sorry, we didn't see nothing. <laughs> We're not coming to get you.
0: So, with all that out of the way. Let's crack into the movie, shall we? Oh, yes. So the first thing I want to bring up is, you know, this is actually the third example we've seen of time travel in the films mm-hmm. we've watched. We've seen Back to the Future. Mm-hmm. We've seen 12, 12 monkeys, monkeys. And now we've seen
1: this one. A Sound of Thunder.
0: And each film has a different view of how time travel
1: could work or and it, it just keeps getting murkier yeah back to the future was so clean so easy to understand the 12 monkeys was like okay and now this is just like well there's no rules except the rules we make <laughs> and they don't even make sense in themselves
0: yeah that's fight club time travel rules exactly so we got fight time travel fight
1: time travel <laughs> fight time travel club <laughs> uh, let's let's talk about this time travel in this film so they go back to a certain period in time to shoot a dinosaur
0: well apparently they don't have to shoot it because it's still going to fall yeah. into this this mud and and, and apparently vulcan- drown
1: yeah and then a volcano is going to explode to kill even if it did survive
0: you know this was the thing i did not understand speaking to the volcano real quick yeah was they made a big deal about trying to resolve everything and like prevent them from not killing the butterfly but then the volcano is going to erupt anyway and just destroy everything.
1: everything so why would it matter if you touch a brush like, like, literally, if I if I touch the tree branch, why would it matter? Yeah, like that's going to like get rid of soap. They in make the a future? big deal. Stay on the path. Like, so what? The
0: volcanoes erupting it's anyway. The, <laughs> the
1: prints are going to be gone. No, that one flower is going to survive.
0: Apparently, apparently, this one inspire. flower was the key to sixty-five
1: million years of evolution. That's right. Who knows? Maybe if they would have picked a leaf off the <laughs> ground, they would have cured cancer. There would have been a total different timeline. But we're seeing
0: again, we're seeing a different example of time travel in this film, because in Back Uh to the Future, it was you go back, you change one tiny thing, you change your present. Mm -hmm. Uh, Twelve monkeys, you go back. No matter what you do, your future is your future. There's nothing you can do to change that. Mm -hmm. And this one, we get you change one thing in the environment. You stay the same, but everything else changes around you. Mm -hmm. Eventually, it'll catch up to you because apparently this film has a, a misunderstanding of how evolution works. Apparently, humans evolved less yeah. and we
1: don't evolve simultaneously. Everything changes but us.
0: Yeah, and the, I, the time waves threw me off too. I didn't understand that. Because apparently these are also like they just bounce people up into the air. Even though it, with that logic, I mean, because remember the first time wave rolled through yeah. and it <laughs> changed the vegetation? While Edward Burns was sleeping. Yeah. If that was the case, why didn't it bounce his yeah, butt out of bed?
1: He must be a heavy sleeper. Maybe if like the camera panned back, there'd be like a hole in his ceiling, like a body-shaped hole.
0: He just wakes up the next morning like, why am I on the floor? And why is there a me-shaped dent in the right. ceiling?
1: What's all this ceiling? And, and why is my bedmate across yeah. the room? <laughs> and then, yeah, they threw that in. I just took the time waves as like they wrote themselves into a hole. And they're like, crap well how do we raise the stakes uh let's throw in time waves
0: yeah but if they knew they had crappy visual effects why make something that requires big time visual (laughs)
1: effects work (laughs) exactly they didn't they just threw together whatever they could when your film is produced by howard and karen baldwin I don't even know who these Baldwin's are. Well, when you, you make you a expect? flop
0: like this, you probably don't get that many other chances in Hollywood.
1: No, you don't. <laughs> hey, we did a, a Sound of Thunder. No, mm. they actually did make a Game Boy game out of this. I I'm so Boy- glad I didn't play it. Yeah, I didn't know. I kind of wanna look at it on, you know, YouTube just to see how maybe crappy it looks. But I don't know.
0: Why you? So you can face giant baboon, bat, crocodiles?
1: Apparently, the game is totally different than the movie. not surprising there's like politics involved and there's like a company coming after them it's like a first-person shooter might have been a better film
0: maybe (laughs) but i gotta say the future i mean i mean at least the cityscape not so much the cars yeah uh, but the future is looking pretty good for 2055
1: yeah nice and sleek the same uh set
0: in chicago yeah hometown which apparently this film didn't think eleven years after it was released that the Cubs would win the World Series. because no. As producer jeremy pointed out, the Cubs apparently won the World Series in this film in twenty twenty two and 20 yeah. 49 or something. I 45. didn't even
1: catch that. It, w- it was on like a newspaper. Oh, it was like yeah, okay. Billboard. Oh, yeah. Pennant. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> I they threw pennants. That probably was in his like. But you know what? Here's the something.
0: thing I don't understand: is the world itself looks pretty sleek and all that. And yet the, the
1: CGI looks Not sleek. the
0: cars, not the cars. I'm talking like the Lance <laughs> like the te- the like the skyscrapers and all that. We
1: have different understanding of sleek CGI. And yet the
0: extras on the street?
1: <laughs> okay. Yeah.
0: They're <laughs> dressed like they're extras from Mad Men.
1: <laughs> they do. I'm curious like, like what won- was the director's vision? Did he even like did he have the Amish? I mean like who did he get in this freaking Yeah, you know, at least
0: Robert Zemeckis gave us the do of like, hey, we're in the future. Let's give the the audience futuristic clothing. No, we got the no. same crap. I can get off the clearance rack at Kohl's.
1: Exactly. Well, come on, they only had thirty million, and they're probably like, oh. The costume
0: designer was just like, I've got three hundred dollars. <laughs> I'm going to Kohl's. <laughs> let's do it, man. Like, uh, what about shoes? You're gonna have to
1: bring those from home. Sorry, and we're not paying you. You might get some sandwiches.
0: You might get like a 10 cent royalty check Exactly. 15 years after this comes out because it's going to be on the sci-fi channel where it belongs
1: sorry I did like uh, how Chicago looked I enjoyed Chicago actually too I was like no way they actually picked our hometown except for the giant random tower it in looked, the middle of the city they that picked was horrible.
0: Chicago for the setting but it they did not film anywhere in chicago yes. because the czech republic because of well the fraudulent budget
1: yeah because they're frauds
0: again we're this, gonna bring this up should be like a
1: sound of frauds it shouldn't be a sound of thunder of or a fraudulent sound of thunder
0: it should be called a sound of fbi investigation <laughs> because we have ne- i have never fr- seen that in any Film where the studio was under FBI investigation Never. for fraudulently inflating budgets. Who does that? Obvious Terrible them. people who make terrible movies. <laughs> but we talked about when we we mentioned it earlier, but I do want to talk about the visual effects in this movie for a little bit and sure. because of the low budget they had to use pre visualization software. Ooh. Now, if you're unfamiliar with Neg- pre-visualization yeah. software, it's basically a way of storyboarding using the computer. It looked like it was
1: storyboarded using the computer. Basically, yeah. if you haven't seen this film, these guys, its like it was like Nintendo 64 graphics, maybe a little bit better. Like I would say like PS2. early play, PlayStation One graphics. It's so bad. Not even bad. PlayStation Two. There's no details. Like if they had a cat, the whiskers would be like on the face. They wouldn't be like sticking out. There would be no depth. There it would be like the face, but like stick whiskers drawn on the face. It's mean, so you, bad. You
0: have the baboon, bat, crocodile <laughs> things. Yes, you have the you have the giant
1: bats, the giant bat, the horrible T Rex, whatever the heck that dinosaur was, and a- I think they
0: meant for that to be an Allosaurus. Allosaurus. But- Allosaurus. <laughs> I hope that's what they meant it to be, but it looked nothing like it because oh, it was so bad. The teeth didn't have the
1: teeth Looked like they were like drawn, like they blended into the environment. He opened his mouth and he was part of the scene. The backdrop. There was the serpent in the water. I guess that's what that was. Personally,
0: like, I theorize that that's an evolved bluegill. <laughs>
1: Involved bluegills sir. I mean it is the Illinois State fish It was like the uh, From Harry Potter Have you ever seen that? Harry Potter Chamber of Secrets Yeah It was the uh, The basilisk what? Yes That's what I thought Okay the one. basilisk The basilisk <laughs> So much better <laughs> I know And the film is older Oh Jesus What else was there? There was the um, the catfish The humanoid catfish I think there was actually A, a practical
0: effect when, when the last time wave Hit Dr. Rand, and she became the the catfish. Okay. Moving on, though, I mean, according to this movie, too, all animals went extinct in 2017. Uh Uh-huh. I mean, it's crazy to think that the animals are now gone, but, I mean, with all the species we seem to be killing off every week, it seems like, we could be heading down
1: that road. It did. I enjoyed that. Kind of like a prediction almost. So those you enjoyed like, a world without animals pretty much? No, no, I do not enjoy a world. I'm not that heartless. I do have I have a little space in my heart for the puppy dogs. But this also begs the question too. In twenty
0: fifty five, we've prioritized time travel over learning how to clone yeah. animals to bring those back. Cancer.
1: Nope. Nope, nope, nope. No, I mean, no, nope. Cancer
0: could can say we need time travel so rich right. white guys can go shoot an Allosaurus 65 million years ago. That's right. The rules of this time travel are simplistic, as they should be in many movies. Yes. I mean, the rules are simple. And then trying to fix it doesn't become so simple because we get no. time waves and like, oh, well, we'll swing slingshot you back.
1: Like, how does that work? Does <laughs> it doesn't? It didn't make sense. He like ended up where like cowboys and Indians, he got like run over by like a bunch of Native Americans on yeah. horses.
0: Rule number one, don't change anything. Rule number two and three, apparently don't bring anything back. Isn't that just, you know, a variation of rule number one? It is. It's the
1: exact rule. They broke their own number one rule. Fight time travel club rules here. Exactly. I wanted to understand how they could go back in time to the same exact spot repeatedly, but never run into themselves, apparently. How can you do that? I don't know. How is that possible? But then he does, later on.
0: There are people who are infinitely smarter than me who try to figure out how, how time travel works. And we've discussed our theories about how it could potentially work in Mm -hmm. earlier episodes. I don't think it would be like this, though. I mean, there's some aspects of it it got potentially right about it. Time travel is going to require a ton of energy. Yeah.
1: I was wondering where you're going to go Probably more so
0: than nuclear power is what it's going to take. Because you're talking about taking your atoms where they currently are Mm -hmm. and moving them back in time.
1: Yeah. Which just sounds
0: impossible but um once the time waves hit we see things start changing yeah like this this to me like we got our first like real red red shirt here Mm -hmm. because dr rand opens up the door and there's that woman covered with like flesh-eating ants or whatever those bugs were yeah and she just falls dead in the doorway boom all of yes and here's the thing we never see Those bugs again throughout the rest
1: of the movie. No, I was waiting for them. I'm like, all right, where are these bugs again? Nope, I guess they were killed off by the next time wave and they transformed. I would have
0: liked to have that have been a constant threat throughout the rest of the movie. It's like, oh, we've got these flesh-eating bugs. Dude, I would
1: have liked to see that movie, Attack of the Ants. That would have been great. No, that would have been too much money because <laughs> God God that, that
0: was probably all the fraudulent budget allowed was <laughs> one scene where a woman gets eaten by You're bugs. Right.
1: We've got enough money for one. Let's listen, use it.
0: Listen, we've got- we The only
1: a, interesting death scene in this freaking movie.
0: Yeah, that. And then everybody gets killed by the iteration of the creatures at some point. Like uh, David Oyelowo's character gets- um, Killed by the- Just the crocodile bat baboons.
1: Yeah. Yeah,
0: and then um, the the British doctor who apparently boosted cars to get himself through medical school gets lifted up by the super bats,
1: Mm -hmm. and then Kelly gets eaten by the evolved bluegill. All right, how did you like? So I knew she was gonna die because so they're like in a underground subway. And it's, like, surrounded by water. Apparently it's submerged in water, but no water's in there. And so she's, like, there's a giant window. And so she's like, wait, let me let me get across this giant window to your side for some reason. And then this monster just breaks through, eats her. Who? She's Edward Byrne's cousin, and nothing happens. He's just like, oh, she's dead. All right, let's keep escaping Yeah, now. he doesn't even no go like Kelly. No emotional reaction. Nothing. He's like, oh. He doesn't even go, Kelly. <laughs> Nothing. It's almost like he had no idea it was going to happen. Or like it was in the script. Or they did reshoots. And he's like, you know what? Screw this film. Yeah,
0: and then they kill it in the weirdest way. They, Dude, oh
1: my God. He that, I rewound that scene like five times. So picture a world where this awful CGI bluegill it has become an apex predator. <laughs> and it's swimming towards you. And you're this actor that is looking at a green screen. And you have no idea what's going to happen. And the director says, make a stabbing motion. And that's all we need. And so Edward Burns makes this pitiful attempt at stabbing. And that's it. That kills the freaking animal. Did you enjoy it? Did you laugh out loud when you saw that stabbing machine?
0: I was more just thinking, wow, this is just really bad visual effects. It's
1: so bad. It's terrible. He doesn't even... St- he stabs in like the eye.
0: There were movies that and came out... And the monster out- just dies. There were movies that came out 10 years before this with better visual effects than this.
1: Yeah, exactly. You were saying something like Time Cop. It's like has eerily similar visual effects yeah. and that came out in 94.
0: Yeah, our producer Jeremy pointed out before we started recording that Peter Hyams, the director of this movie, directed Time Cop. hmm And mentioned that the time travel motifs and the visual look of them is eerily similar to how Time Cop did it. So they didn't change it in 10 years. Time Cop probably got a bigger non fraudulent budget, though. They probably
1: did. <laughs> Dude, maybe he just like lifted those same visual effects from Time Cop. Was like, all right, we need to save costs. Um, let's just recycle. Although you mentioned that
0: when um, that Travis got sent back in time when you know the Cowboys and Indians yeah. were chasing him, to me that was the lens flare of the movie right there. That was. There was well, not no... only do they screw up in their first attempt of fixing everything, he gets sent back to way the wrong time. Yeah,
1: and once again, that has no impact on history. Nothing. They don't care that just some random spaceman comes in hor- out.
0: It wasn't written into the historical record like by some cavalry colonel by like, June 10th, spotted a strange man while chasing
1: right? squad of Comanches. Just another day, they probably thought he was a buffalo or something <laughs> just riding along. <laughs> it's
0: like, hey, why does that buffalo look like a guy? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is, that weird is the weirdest place. looking buffalo I've ever seen.
1: <laughs> what is this Wild West?
0: I mean, Edward Burns peaked when he did Saving Private Ryan and has proceeded to do crap since then. His,
1: like, first film. One of his first.
0: When you do a movie like that, me personally, if I had done a movie like Saving Private Ryan, that was one of my first movies, I wouldn't have done another movie after that because it wouldn't have been any better.
1: Well, Vin Diesel. But he was only in the film for Well, Vin
0: Diesel proceeded to get typecast. For the rest of his career. But he is crushing it at the box office. No bully that for him. Fast by Furious doing franchise. A, by doing like 19 Fast and Furious hey, films.
1: Hey man, he's making the money. Tom Cruise is doing it with uh, Mission Impossible. Okay,
0: I will take any Mission Impossible movie <laughs> over any of the Fast and the Furious movies. Have you even seen them? I will die on that hill. <laughs>
1: you will die on the- Fair enough. They are pretty good.
0: Mission Impossible Fallout was by far better than any Fast and Furious movie they've ever made. Is that our movie recommendation? That is my (laughs) non-sci-fi recommendation of the week is Mission Impossible Fallout. Fallout.
1: That is a solid flick. I co-signed that.
0: Not to go on too far of a non-sci-fi tangent, but I saw that in IMAX last year, Dude. and I was absolutely blown away by it.
1: Was that the one where he holds his breath underwater? Or no, that no, was the that one- that was
0: the one with the, the helicopter chase through the mountains. Oh,
1: this is the one where Henry Cavill didn't shave his mustache. Yeah. And so he ruined Justice League, right? <laughs>
0: well, oh, yeah. I don't think a little mustache ruined no. Justice League. It was CG. a lot that ruined that.
1: <laughs> Not even Joss Whedon could save that train wreck. Uh, all right, so back to this uh, fraudulent crap. <laughs> back, I mean, to, back to I, a horrible I want to talk about
0: these other characters besides Travis. All right. These characters are so undeveloped, it's almost laughable.
1: It's like they're one dimensional.
0: We barely know Travis. No. We know that he's a ladies man, obviously, because apparently he brings women back to his apartment and the and the bellhop just knows his routine. Yeah. <laughs> Should I get well, a Well, he's knowledgeable about animals yet is a proficient hunter? For me, that's kind of a moral quandary. Like if you're a hunter and yet you have a biologist's level of knowledge about the animals that you
1: want to kill. Yeah. Twenty fifty five is a strange place, man.
0: Like we mentioned, Lucas, the British doctor, he stole cars to get through medical school. He did. Like, where's that movie? I know that would have been awesome. Ah, <laughs> oh, seeing him just jack cars. Payne,
1: David Oyelowo's character, he has a family. That's only mentioned nothing. twice in the movie, and there's nothing about it. Like his weird death, where he gets stabbed in the face by a like what a vine. But yeah, the vine it, makes him hallucinate. It, yeah, but it literally stabs him in the head, like right there, and then pull it out, and it's like thick. This thing is like three inches long, four inches, five inches long. I don't get it. I didn't get this. I did enjoy Ben Kingsley's character just because of the wig. <laughs> <laughs> that was he played the uh, douchebag uh, businessman very well.
0: Yeah, if these are the, if that's the hairstyle of the future, I want no part in it. I'll just go bald.
1: Just go bald. <laughs>
0: seriously though
1: yeah like I couldn't understand I hope
0: I hope to God that is not the style choice in the next 26 years well you know how they say like
1: styles repeat themselves so maybe in 2055 they're bringing back like the old English wigs that people wore from like the 1700s that's what it is even if that was the case Ben Kingsley's hair looked nothing like that Dude, it's like all the poor people are rocking like the fades and everything, <laughs> the nice crew cuts. Well, everybody's rocking fades now. That's what I mean. It's just going to like keep staying there for one section, and then the rest, it's like you're going to see these rich people with giant As if we tails. needed
0: more class division right now. It will just make it mandatory for if you're in a certain income bracket, you start wearing a wig.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but not any wig. A rainbow-colored wig. Yeah, because that's much better. That's right, but it's going to be style, man. They they don't really have anything about politics or class in this film. Well,
0: I mean, nothing. It's implied that time travel costs a lot of money because there's those two guys who say they paid like some extra to get to the top of the line because it's a six year waiting list. Yeah. So apparently, uh, time safariing in 2055 is like wanting to raft down the Rio Grande River nowadays, or ride right on the Titanic rebuilt. Yeah, I don't want to do that because the first one turned out so well.
1: Yeah. Why would
0: you want to repeat that? Dude, just add more lifeboats. That's all it takes. Or you know what's simpler and doesn't cost as much money? (laughs) Don't do it. (laughs) Just don't do it. (laughs) Save your money. Don't go and stay on land where you won't sink. (laughs)
1: Or fly in space. This is why I
0: don't do cruise ships, because Dude. you know what? I won't sink on land. Same,
1: brother. Unless you hit like- And a- every
0: cruise ship is like a floating petri dish of bacteria. Oh. Like the Scientology cruise ship just got docked because <laughs> of a measles outbreak. Would that be a bad thing, though? No. Oh, I'm not saying it's a bad thing, And then, but then there's outbreaks of like flesh-eating viruses on the like carnival cruises, <laughs> this, because people like sneeze their hands- in their hands, and they decide to go touch every doorknob that ever existed. Do you
1: think for the Scientology crews, like, John Travolta and Tom Cruise give speeches? Like, they're the celebrities?
0: You know what? I would find it ironic if they talked about vaccinations on <laughs> this cruise,
1: and yet it comes back with a measles outbreak. Oh, my God. But we digress. Yes. So there was the bait where you think the one guy is going to ruin the the whole time travel. Thing. Yeah. The dude that was, like, freaking the out. The fidgety guy. And he ends up being, like, the most level-headed. Like, he didn't do it. Yeah. At the end.
0: Turns out it was his friend who got stabbed with the barbs and went crazy and tried to shoot a hole in Edward Burns.
1: Yeah. The one that kept saying, he kept referencing like balls the entire time. He's like, oh, you got to have balls. God, I hated that guy.
0: Yeah, that guy was a bit too macho. He he
1: was. He was way too macho. It's clearly the movie trope of the
0: guys who go on safari, and one of them is way more into it than he should be. I haven't seen some like that in a long time. This movie definitely played up the character tropes a lot.
1: Yes. I noticed that.
0: I mean, you have the the scrupulous businessman played le- by Ben Kingsley, who, which turns out later in the movie, we find out if they had just turned on the freaking biofilter, we would have avoided this whole thing. But he wanted to save money. Yeah. So in this week's iteration of people not doing their jobs,
1: we ben have-, Kingsley. We have
0: Ben Kingsley and the government official who decide to not turn on the (laughs) biofilter.
1: To save money. Yeah. Dude.
0: It's like, well, it costs power and power costs money. Like, are you kidding me? The biofilter. And at the end,
1: oh my gosh.
0: You have three rules and two of them are the same and you couldn't (laughs) afford to turn on the biofilter for
1: 10 minutes? Are you kidding me? You caused all this destruction. Yeah. And then he doesn't even get a good death. They just walk into the place. He's like underwater, and
0: apparently he got drowned by the the baboon bat crocodiles. I
1: would have loved to see that scene
0: where Ben Kingsley is just drowned to death. <laughs> yeah. by him.
1: Was his wig even messed up?
0: I couldn't even tell because he was underwater and it looked like just a dummy. It did. And then he points up, the government official like points up the ceiling, and you see all the the bat the the baboons hanging like bats. I'm like, oh, that's messed up.
1: <laughs> it's so weird, just terrible. I like though that at the end when uh, Edward Burns goes back—that's why I'm just gonna call him—or I guess Travis goes back to warn themselves, like about stepping on the butterfly, even though it's a moth. <laughs> like it is probably the worst sound editing that I've ever seen in my entire life. Yeah, it's like the regular scene is going on in a full blast, and you just see Edward Burns shouting, "Turn on the biofilter! It's off. <laughs> Make sure it's on. Make sure it's on." <laughs> They're like, "What?" And then he just quickly grabs the guy that's about to step on the moth, mm-hmm. and then he goes back in time.
0: It's like, what happened? Like, are you all right? And he's just looking at him, like, where did you go? What a terrible climax! I don't wouldn't even call it a climax. I would no. just call it.
1: Was there even a climax?
0: In I this I would just film? call it anticlimactic period. This whole film was anticlimactic. Well, I mean, once the. Not even like Once the, the poorly rendered bluegill came and tried to kill everybody, I was just kind of. I was officially done with the movie. Dude,
1: me too. I'm like, please don't tell me this is the climax. It's like, please
0: end it. Just end it within the next 10 minutes. And That's- thankfully it did.
1: Dude, I'm telling you, that stab was awful. It was like a little jab. Ugh, it's
0: terrible. So. I'm exhausted just talking about how terrible (laughs) this movie is what do you say we talk about the legacy quote unquote of this movie (laughs) if there is one
1: legacy so Roger Ebert apparently gave this a four or two out of four That's a bit too
0: much. He he did say he cannot endorse the movie, but he can appreciate it, which I don't even know what that means. I don't even know
1: what that means either.
0: But I think he read up on some of the pre-production and the background of this movie. I think I'm in the same camp as him and thinking this movie Mm -hmm. would have been different with a different director, with an actual leading actor not Edward Burns, uh, <laughs> a non-fraudulent budget. Yes. However, that it is did script. gross $11.5 <laughs> million dollars against, I guess, <laughs> they went off the um, the $80 million budget
1: yeah. for the movie, which is <laughs> so bad. So fraudulent. And it, they released it, they tried releasing it like, all through twenty fourteen or two thousand and four, and they just kept pushing it back. Pushing you know what?
0: This movie actually opened September second, two thousand five, and because I am a nerd, I looked up what came out that that same day. You know what came out also on September second, two thousand five? What? Transporter Two.
1: No. Oh yes, I read up on that. And, <laughs> and because I saw it, that. And, and I just looked up the bo- like two. the
0: the high the tenth highest grossing film that year. You know what it was in two thousand five? Hitch. Hitch.
1: Well, that was actually a solid flick. Hitch is a very good movie. But I mean, if you want some dancing advice that'll last forever, just watch Hitch, man.
0: Elbows in. This is where you live. This is home. That's
1: right, baby. Oh, that saved my butt. Uh, that's funny. So Hitch was the 10th highest grossing <laughs> yeah. film. You know, but-
0: this movie probably didn't even crack the top 100. It was definitely a box office bob. I mean, the, yeah. the, the studio went bankrupt after this. <laughs> it effectively ruined every actor's career with the exception of David Oyelowo, thankfully. Which,
1: But he didn't come back until-
0: Eight years, nine years later? Well, you have to wait for the stink of a movie like this to kind of go away. Oh,
1: wait, but Ben Kingsley is still around. So it didn't kill his career.
0: No, but it's Ben Kingsley. It is Ben Kingsley. He,
1: he did win It's an too Oscar. big to fail. It is too big to <laughs> fail. See, that's what, there it is, the one line, man. <laughs> All right. You're back. So
0: let's talk about our review of the movie. Here okay. on the Force Fed Sci-Fi Podcast, we have a four-tiered rating system. We have- a would not watch, a would watch, would own, and would host viewing parties. And I think for this one, I'm going to have to bust out a category I created back when we were watching The Postman. Okay. And I would have to call this a would erase from my memory film. (laughs) I thought I would only use it for The Postman, But this movie is poorly executed. Yeah. The characters are undeveloped. The science is questionable. And above all, the visual effects are terrible. They permeate the entire movie. This should be relegated to the category of sci-fi channel B movie of the month or week or whatever. This shouldn't have never gotten a theatrical release. No. And it really does... A disservice to Ray Bradbury's story, if anything. So that that's, would be that's the legacy. my verdict.
1: It's, it takes away from his short stories legacy.
0: What do you think,
1: Sean? I would destroy this film. Oh, oh, I would. <laughs> I would go to Walmart and just break it apart. <laughs> you want to save other people yeah. from not trying it? Like, no, no, no. You see Please. someone about to tr-
0: about to buy it,
1: and you just tackle them like Dwight Schrute in the office, smack it out of their head. No, you don't understand what you're about to endure. Trust me, I've seen it. Now I would, I would probably, yeah, I would love to erase this from my memory. I would jump on that bandwagon. Yeah. This film sucks man <laughs> This sucks Everything about it is terrible I know <laughs> I've never seen it so. And I like Ed Burns So I do I like him yeah. But he's just he couldn't even save it Not even no. Ben Kingsley No,
0: no. no. The, This movie Whatever. Needed so many things To make it better And it's just Morgan Freeman said it best In a documentary About box office bombs And it's, it's a, For a movie to become A big time bomb Like this There has to be A lot of errors Leading up to it it's not just one thing that sinks a movie; it's a whole bunch of things that really doom a
1: movie like this. Totally, it makes me want to watch probably *Requiem for a Dream*.
0: <laughs> Something. <laughs> you, I feel like you almost need to watch like *The Godfather* yeah. to,
1: for the, to, to cleanse the palate. Dude, it better. Would this next movie that we pick better be better. Ba- <laughs> yeah, I can't, I can't deal with two terrible films in a row. All
0: right, so we're gonna enlist the help of our friendly random number generator AI. Major Samantha, to help us select from a list of 118 films what our next movie will be. And between one and 118, she has selected number 73. Ooh. It's a 2013 Spike Jones directed Her. Her? S- Her, starring Joaquin Phoenix, Amy Adams, and the voice of Scarlett Johansson. The voice of Scarlett, or the uh, Black Widow. She has a name. <laughs> she She does have a name.
1: Right now, she's Black Widow.
0: So that'll be our movie for next time. And if you enjoyed this show, please go to iTunes and leave us a five-star review. It helps to drive us up the charts as well as help people like you find the show. We are across the spectrum of social media with Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all at Sci-Fi. You can check out and download episodes at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts. And please subscribe so you never miss an episode. And finally, you can check out our website, forcefedscifi.com, for show notes and links to all of our social media. So for myself and Sean Cole, we will see you next time. Force-Fed Sci-Fi is written and hosted by Sean Culp and Chris Rupp. Website design, associate producer, and editing by Jeremy Kesky. Artwork designed by Mike Berger. Theme music composed and performed by Custom Anthem.